G'day mate, Forty here. Let me know if there's too much wind. I'm still at uh, Manly Beach. So, uh, speaking hatefully is a bad thing, right? Being unnecessarily hateful, saying, you know, all these bad things should happen to a particular group, you know, that's bad. Harassing people, you know, going to their workplace or their house of worship or their community, uh, that's a bad thing. Uh, but these terms have been so grossly inflated to simply cover you know, any type of speech that I don't like. So on Twitter, effectively, over the past six years or so, harassment simply meant, meant disagreeing with a woman. Like, if you disagree with a woman on Twitter, if you puncture her, her logic in any way, you know, you're, you're harassing her. So... Uh, Alex Jones was banned from social media. All the social media companies effectively acted in uniform back in 2018. I was ambivalent because you know, Alex Jones has said so many just wrong, harmful things, you know, leading to the, to the harassment of the Sandy Hook uh, parents. Uh, so I was ambivalent. I'm, I'm almost a free speech absolutist. But uh, I was ambivalent when big tech banned Alex Jones. It didn't, didn't particularly bother me to understand why people would not want him on, on their platform. Uh, on the other hand, I have no problem understanding why conservatives would want Alex Jones unbanned because Alex Jones is right-wing. He does support Republicans in the right-wing against the left. So he is, to a degree, a comrade in arms. It's just that he appeals to a lower IQ audience. And I was thinking about what do Alex Jones, Richard Spencer, and Ford uh, have in common? And one thing that we all have in common is that we all want the world to be a more exciting place than it is. And so we're all romantic, and we all read more into reality than is really there. So Alex Jones speaks to a 95 IQ audience, and uh, Richard Spencer speaks to an audience with an average IQ around 115. I think my audience has an average IQ around 115. So the type of excitement that the 115 IQ person seeks out is very different from the type of excitement that the 95 IQ person seeks out. But uh, Alex Jones is on the right, right? So he is furthering Republicans. He is fighting the left. I don't, don't care for Alex Jones. I, I think he does a tremendous amount of harm. But I have to recognize that he is a fellow fighter on the right, so I understand why conservatives would want to see him unbanned. Uh, and Coulter says that you know, Donald Trump, first thing you need to do is not unban Elon Musk. First thing you need to do is not so much unban Donald Trump, but the first thing you, you need to do is to you know, unban about why conservatives love Alex Jones, which wasn't so much about Twitter. Well, it's easy to understand why conservatives love Alex Jones because he's appealing to a low IQ crowd like Donald Trump. Donald Trump's the pro whisperer. Like Donald Trump is excellent at speaking to the 95 IQ audience. And uh, so too with Alex Jones. He's speaking to an audience that wants excitement and purpose and meaning in life. They, they want to feel like they're living from the inside, that they're getting the real deal. They're finally you know, understanding how the world works around them. And because they only have an IQ of around 95, right, their, their intellectual possibilities are quite limited. If they weren't listening to Alex Jones, 
they would not be reading Shakespeare. Although I do think the case of Alex Jones brings up a very interesting question in terms of the free speech issue. Um, that is, do you really want to tolerate someone who is absolute, absolutely polluting the discourse? Okay, I agree with that. But what do you expect from someone who's speaking to the 1990 IQ crowd? And what I mean by that is that he is, he's not only wrong, obviously many people are wrong, most academic articles and the sciences are actually kind of wrong, more or less. But he's acting in a kind of bad faith. I think Alex Jones might very well believe what he's saying. I think he does, actually. But he... It doesn't matter whether or not Alex Jones believes in what he's saying. Sincerity is not a virtue, right? Sincerity is not something we need more of. He's just a completely deluded personality. And because he has this charisma, um, he is able to gain a tremendous following. And he's able to grift off this following and just... It's not his charisma, it's the sense of excitement that he, he brings, right? He gives, gives you know, dumb people a way of understanding the world that is tremendously exciting. It's an incredible way, so he really has monetized. It's, it's similar to what Richard Spencer has done. He's given deluded people an excited way of understanding the world, and it's what Richard Spencer is still doing, right, with Apolloism, right? It's a, a romantic, exciting way of understanding the world and feeling like you're living from the inside, and this is the the real deal, now you're, you're connected to the universe and you're aligned with your true self, right? It, it's one romantic crusade after another for Richard and one romantic crusade after another for Alex Jones, just that one person speaking to a, to a crowd with an average IQ around 115 to 120 and another bloke is speaking to a crowd with an average IQ around 90. ...his own delusion. And I do think that that kind of figure is deeply toxic. Uh, you have to have some... Yeah, Alex Jones, you know, is toxic, right? He, he's, he's motivated people to do you know, horrible things, such as harass the, the Sandy Hook parents who lost their children in that mass shooting at Sandy Hook. If, if people look to Alex Jones for more than entertainment value and start, you know, taking some of his more deluded perspective seriously and start harassing people on that basis. Yeah, it's toxic, but the uh, same thing could be said for many of the followers of Richard Spencer and taking many of the things that Richard has said seriously. Right? So it's not just the message, it's how it plays out with a particular audience. So, you know, how, how many hundreds of people's lives have been damaged because of Richard Spencer? How many hundreds of people's lives have been damaged by Alex Jones? Again, the people that both of them have damaged are uh, people who've been seeking, you know, illicit forms of excitement. Basis in reality to speak and to actually contribute to discourse. There really is no value in listening to a schizophrenic tell you about how, you know, space aliens are telling her that her, you know, aunt wants to kill her and it's a really big problem and that's what... So there's been some reasonably thoughtful stuff on Alex Jones. Richard Spencer was a willing guest on Alex Jones. He was a willing guest on uh, Russia Today. Right? Richard said at the time he went on Alex Jones because he's an American institution. So if you look at Richard Spencer and Alex Jones as entertainment, then they're not going to have a toxic effect on you. All right? Richard Spencer's intellectual entertainment. Uh, Alex Jones is conspiratorial entertainment. If you look to them for more than entertainment, you're going to go wrong. But if you put them in their proper genre 
of entertainers, provocateurs, shock jocks, right? put people in their proper genre, they're much less likely to hurt you. That's why she's locked herself in her room for 48 hours. There's really no value in that. And Okay, the only people who are going to lock themselves in their room for 48 hours after listening to Alex Jones are people who are already mentally ill. You know, I, I don't know. Saying I'm, oh, I'm pro-free speech or something, that's what everyone says. And when everyone says something, that means that it is ultimately a meaningless platitude. There actually is such a thing as bad speech. And there is such a thing that is just so toxic and stupid, but which seems to be able to kind of call upon, you know, base emotions or maybe even incipient schizophrenia among the audience. Okay, and you could say the same thing for much of uh, Richard Spencer's work. You know, when he was going around saying... Hail our people, hail freedom, you know, seek Heil. And uh, his followers were greeting him with, with Nazi salutes. All right? This is the same kind of manic, deluded, schizophrenic energy that uh, Alex Jones appeals to. Yes. And I, I think it actually is extremely bad. And at the very least, we should talk about it seriously and not just kind of grandstand about our love for free speech. But anyway, the. What, what? Yeah, I give uh, Richard credit here. This is something that deserves to be spoken about seriously and uh, much of what Alex Jones puts out is toxic, is bad for people, does lead people in a bad direction. Though the very same thing could be said for much of what Richard Spencer has promoted, his compadres have promoted, right? A lot of lives have been ruined by you know, people pushing edgy, you know, dissident, dissident right neo-Nazi material. things. My main issue really isn't so much of, you know, is Alex Jones acting in bad faith? Is Alex Jones polluting public square? But why conservatives love Alex Jones? Okay, it's easy for Alex Jones because he's on their side, right? They're all right wing and they see the left as an enemy. Oh man. Now they... Twitter, Twitter, why are you doing this to me, bro? I'm trying to run quality production here. And Twitter keeps messing with me. Richard's right. That's a stupid excuse. He claims that they're literally vampires. But, well, you know, we all get it wrong sometimes. But he's kind of, he's headed in the right direction. And he kind of, again, he's innocent in the sense of being naive. He knows not what he's what he's doing. Um, I think on another level, Alex Jones represents a really serious problem with conservatism. In the sense that everything is an emergency for them. Look, Alex Jones is just a really dumb, low IQ version of conservatism. I'm sure there are lots of dumb, low IQ versions of, of left-wing thought as well. The election is the most important election of your lifetime. And what it is, it's about saying no to something. They are naysayers. No, what it is, is about creating meaning and excitement for people. Uh, particularly people with not terribly many options and without much cognitive capacity. 
about loudly yelling go at some the latest novelty you know it's wearing mask or drag queen story hour or crt or whatever and they and, and you know i also yeah a hero system's a biological necessity there's some way of attaching yourself to something greater than yourself right? absolute biological necessity uh, we all fear being insignificant and so we're looking to attach ourselves to a cause, to you know, something that transcends us, something that's going to outlive us. We want to attach ourselves to something that goes back in time and will you know, outlive us. And by attaching ourselves to something like that, then we can overcome our own fear of insignificance. Into all of those things. But they, they're, they, they're, these, they're a type of person who's kind of overwhelmed by the world. They're overwhelmed by progressives who are kind of... In- well, what type of people were attracted to Richard Spencer back in the day? And similarly, people who are overwhelmed by the world, you know, looking for meaning and excitement, looking for, for thrills, and looking to take on some kind of heroic quest. These are the same people who are interested in Richard Spencer's version of Apolloism. And so they're, they're playing whack-a-mole, or it's just this endless rearguard action that we've got to yell no at something new to start. And when you're in that situation of being overwhelmed, there's there's no time and there's no ability to actually put forth a vision of the world. And as I wrote in that sense, the conservative intellectual really becomes an oxymoron. You can't think about these things too deeply or too clearly or with too much nuance. Because after all, it's an emergency. Look, a conservative intellectual is not a conservative activist. Activists are not intellectuals. So which is making genre errors here. Right, people who are intellectuals are not activists. People who are activists are not intellectuals. Right, activists have rational incentives for enlisting Alex Jones to their cause or finding their common ground with Alex Jones. Right, conservative intellectuals are not forming common ground with Alex Jones. I don't want to hear about your analysis of the situation. I don't want to hear about your nuance. I don't want to hear about your self-criticism. They're out to get your kids. So they are kind of schizophrenic on some level, and I think that's maybe another reason why Alex Jones appeals to them. No, different parts of the conservative movement are not schizophrenic, they're just different genres, different parts, activists, and not intellectuals. Intellectuals are not activists. Right? Conservative intellectuals are not making common ground with Alex Jones. Ann Porter is a pundit, she's not an intellectual. Ben Shapiro is a pundit, he's not an intellectual. pages of National Review to uh, stand before history yelling stop. That might very well be the best maxim of the conservative. That is what he is constantly doing. And Alex Jones is doing that for them. And he's kind of representing their inner kid in the sense that he's not doing it with any pretense of respectability. He's just ripping his shirt off and loudly yelling at people. And so he kind of represents the inner ed. He is who, you know, Ann Coulter or conservatives would be if they had his energy and charisma and they had abandoned all pretense of respectability. So anyway, uh, there it is. There's my argument. Uh, if you guys want to hop in, you're welcome. We already have one request here. So another reason that many conservatives uh, want to form some common ground with Alex Jones is they want to get on his show. They want to be promoted by his uh, media ecosystem. Uh, Alex Jones has promoted some true things, some good things, some accurate things, some prescient things. You know, that uh, Matt Drudge used to link to him a lot back in the day. 
So Alex Jones hasn't just done bad, hasn't just deteriorated the public discourse, hasn't just been a buffoon or an idiot or encouraged mental illness. He's also done a lot of good things. People are complicated. Richard, how are you? Uh, I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm doing well myself. So personally, I, I fully agree with you. I think Alex Jones truly has no no place anymore in the conservative movement. I, you know, frankly, I, I think there was a case to be made, perhaps, when he was a younger man and he was doing things like predicting 9/11 and whatnot. Well, you know, maybe uh, he's predicting 9/11. There's there. Well, I won't right. say he predicted it. I will say there's a video of him. You know, saying things which eventually came to pass. However, yeah, right. see, that's ultimately bullshit. Because, like, if, if you're one of these guys who endlessly predicts that the stock market is going to crash, or yeah, endlessly critique, predicts yeah. that the New York Yankees are going to lose a baseball game, you're going to be right at some point. And you can kind of come back with that and say, well, Alex Jones was right. I, 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 and I just find that just. I really saw one, one clip of him predicting, perhaps he was saying it for years, and if, if that's the case, then I would agree with you. But yeah. nowadays, you know, he, he just, he talks about how, you know, he's going to eat his neighbor's ass and, you know, all these other crazy stuff. I think um, there's a term in French called uh, de-diabolization or something to that effect. And it was used to describe um, the what was then the Front National, now is uh, the National Rally, where this party that was initially composed of um, neo-Nazis, skinheads, Holocaust deniers, um, all these types of characters came to prominence, and then the party kind of cleaned itself up. Now, I think the Republican Party has a much stronger history. We're not tied to these uh, kind of lunatics that the Front National was. But at the same time, I think there are elements of our party which, you know, perhaps they were helpful in, in previous years. But at this point in time, it's just it's ridiculous to keep them. You know, these these clowns such as um, uh, Alex Jones. Uh, what do you mean keep them or not keep them? Like the, the Republican Party doesn't have this enormous top down power. Right? No one can exile you know, Alex Jones. He's his own character. He's a self-supporting organization. Right? He's been banned from all the major social media, and, and he's still going. So it's kind of pointless to talk about the conservative movement or the Republican Party you know, exiling Alex Jones. They don't have that power. I guess you could call, it could, uh, include Ann Coulter. I'd say Nick Fuentes as well. Um, yeah, okay, Trump, I understand I would your Trump. argument. What? I understand, I understand your argument, and let me respond, and then um, I will move on to um, First off, the uh, National Front, at least in my estimation, never played upon just outright schizophrenia. So I'm not really making the case of, you know, you're a little rough around the edges. You know, there, there's something almost, you know, fun about Alex Jones when he's just, you know, just kind of talking about wild conspiracy theories of the moon landing. He, he's a little slice of Americana. I guess you could say, um, to be uh, uh, perhaps overly fair. Um, but, you know, the, he does represent still the conservative midbrain. And, you know, I don't... Yeah, he doesn't represent the conservative midbrain. He represents a manifestation of a 90 IQ conservative midbrain. Right? 120, 130 IQ conservatives are not resonating with Alex Jones. Of conservatives, particularly those who are motivated to vote, are highly aligned with Alex Jones. And I don't know if conservatism can really go anywhere without that element to it. Uh, okay, so Ian S. Hey, Richard. Thanks for the. Uh, sure. 
honestly, I think uh, whenever I hear you speak, it's like my IQ is increasing on the spot, actually. Um, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I kind of want to ask, you know, maybe I'm looking too much into this, but do you think uh, people like Alex Jones, because I largely agree with your analysis, do you think that uh, there's a possibility that they are some sort of controlled opposition? Man, all this talk about controlled opposition just gets boring, right? Alex Jones is so unhinged, right? He'd be the last person who'd be employed as controlled opposition. Certainly that possibility. And, and, and also, you know, whatever something, however something began, it doesn't, it can end up someplace else. And so I think you could definitely make the case that Alex Jones, when he began, he was this entertaining, you know, wild Texas radio guy. And the, yeah, there was nothing really suspicious about it, but uh, I guess you kind of could go there at some point. And whenever you have a cash cow, like in Wars the King, that what was revealed is, um, you know, depositions and trials. I mean, this thing is pumping out hundreds of thousands of dollars a day or something. I mean, it's just incredible. Once you have something that lucrative, then, you know, the rap. Yeah, if you meet 95 IQ, 100 IQ, Americans' need for excitement and feeling like they understand what, you know, is really going on and what's really running the world, right? There is an enormous audience for that. There are a lot more people out there with a 95 IQ than with a 145 IQ. So he's meeting a need for, for meaning and excitement that used to be met by religion, right? If, if people weren't into Alex Jones, they'd very likely be in some low IQ form of religion, you know, assembly of God or something like that. Come on, that's a good metaphor. Like, people are going to want to get a piece of that pie. Um, yeah, I mean, I, there's, there's an interesting video of Alex Jones where I think he's talking about David Icke or David Icke. And David Icke is uh, very famous. I think he used to be an athlete, and then he was a sports announcer, like a soccer uh, or football, I guess, over in the UK announcer. Um, and then he just kind of went off the event. And Alex Jones is saying that, um, oh, you know, he, he's a turd in the punch bowl. So basically, you know, we're talking about the New World Order, and then this guy talks about, you know, they're actually shape-shifting wizards, and so you can just immediately dismiss it. He's like, he was basically suggesting that he was a kind of uh, false opposition in that case. Um, I, I, so I think it... And then, you know, obviously that same criticism could be applied to Alex Jones. So I, I think it's possible. I mean, without evidence, I would want to make that suggestion. Um, but I, I think I would, at least the way I would talk about it is in a, in a slightly different way. It's not so much that you want to demonize or, you know, uh, slander the other side. Like, let's get the most ridiculous person possible so that the other side looks bad and we win. Um, I think that the notion of the Caduceus um, which is something that, um, uh, that Mark Rahman has talked about, I talked about as well. It's, it's not so much about like controlling the other side of discourse and making them look like complete ridiculous fools who should just be dismissed out of hand. It's about kind of creating a synthetic opposition. And so, the, you know, if you're right wing, you like Alice Jones, you know, that means you, you want to slam. But doesn't everyone create a synthetic opposition? Doesn't everyone, you know, use straw man? Isn't that just a, a human lazy way of uh, dealing with your opponents in life is to you know, describe them in ridiculous, unfair, dishonest terms. I don't think that's uh, something that's uh, unique to Alex Jones. ...institution and talking about the Bible and you're a libertarian and uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. That, that's what it means to be right. And so I, I think it's that creation of a synthetic opposition. So it's, it, it's like the difference of, you know, are you a capitalist or are you a communist or are you a cheap? And part of it is that uh, Alex Jones listeners just have a more medieval worldview, right? They see the devil 
and they see God, they see the sacred and the profane and the holy and the unholy, they're doing battle all around them. And so it's not just a different belief system, it's a different way of experiencing life, it's a different sense of self. So as opposed to the modern liberal notion of a self that is buffered, strategic, autonomous, basically good, you know, capable of rationality, right? The, the more medieval notion of self is that the human being you know, is naturally predisposed towards evil, is porous, is, is vulnerable to being negatively affected by evil forces around it. There are sacred spaces and uh, dangerous places. There are holy men and unholy men and that we're all you know, vulnerable to the forces of darkness and evil. Right? Alex Jones you know, embodies this more medieval perspective on life. All conservatives are more medieval than to representing the spectrum of opinion and yet you create these binaries where people are like oh yeah i'm on alex jones's side you know and i think anthony Fauci is, is trying to kill everyone and uh, you know like, there's all these kind of lunatic opinions but also opinions that are just kind of useless and stupid and it can't really go anywhere so i think in some ways he's part of that producing but i would say the entire american right is part of that kind of caducian opposition um where it's about synthetically creating the binary and oh. It's creating straw men, and it's creating a sense of excitement and meaning, and a sense that you have the, you know, the real stuff. You have, you know, access to what's going on with the inner party, the, the people who really run things. All right, I, I think it's about that excitement and a, a delusional sense that you're on the inside, and that you understand what's really going on in the world. Bye bye.